Week-wide Vancouver pregame, postgame, every game presented by Bodog from Sports Odds to free casino games. Make a play at Bodog.net. Wadden and J-Pat here with you once again. Another edition of the postgame show. These are running out on us, J-Pat. Yeah. The Canucks ran out of Rogers Arena tonight with a victory. 3-2 shootout win. Playing spoiler on the Flames. Now, Calgary got a single point. Winnipeg got two, though. So, job well done for the Canucks in a game that really was all Vancouver for at least 40 minutes. And then Calgary decided, oh boy, we better get into this one in what was a pretty crazy third period and overtime, but the Canucks prevail in the end. Yeah, perhaps the most predictable thing was that the Canucks were going to see a push from Calgary down 2 nothing to start the third period. And of course, Canucks didn't get out of the first minute of that third. Flames got on the board. They had some life and they continued to push. But ultimately, the Canucks able to get the game to overtime and then nothing settled. But my goodness, sign me up for a whole lot more of that now i know the argument always is you know 10 minutes of overtime as opposed to a shootout counter argument is that over the course of 82 a team like calgary i think has been to overtime 22 times now you know that adds up and your your bench is so short you're leaning on your top guys if you're playing back to back three and four it is a big ask but just on the entertainment scale like that overtime was incredible and obviously the canucks They had nothing to play for, really. But you get your best players out there. They want to win. And Flames were pretty desperate. And they both had quality chances in OT. Nothing settled there. And then, uh, as we see so often, just one goal in the shootout. And so often, it's the first guy. And this time, it was Andre Kuzmenko, who was a story in this hockey game for reasons we'll get to a little bit later on. But overall, the Canucks got the jump on the Flames. Great story with Cole McWard in his second game, his first NHL goal, his parents in attendance. They were here for his debut the other night. So for them to be in the building, to see him score, you know, incredible family moment there. And Elias Pettersson with a pretty incredible moment as well. The shorthanded breakaway snipe. City is 38th of the season. He finishes the night with just the single point. So the quest for 100 will continue and it'll go down to the final three games, all of them out on the road. So he couldn't get it done in front of the home fans, but big night for him as he was named team MVP as he should have been. I don't think there was a whole lot of doubt in either of the awards uh, for MVP or the top defenseman. There was a little bit of intrigue, I suppose, uh, for a couple of the other awards that were handed out on the night. But uh, yeah, that was a thing of beauty. Elias Pettersson off to the races midway through that first period. And just like the homestand started against the Calgary Flames, it also started with the Vancouver Canucks getting out to a 2 nothing lead with Elias Pettersson scoring the second goal of the hockey game. But just like that game eight days ago, the Flames were able to rally. This time they didn't win in overtime, so they leave with a single point instead of the two points that they got when Tyler Toffoli scored in overtime. But yeah, this has been a story for the Calgary Flames. We won't go too deep on them. Because uh, it's a Canucks postgame pod, but one of the stories of their season is the fact that this is their 16th loser point. So they have left 16, 16 points on the table for a team that is right there in the thick of things for a wildcard spot with a week to go in the season. Yeah, not a whole lot of desperation early on from them as well, especially in those first 20 minutes. Maybe it picked up a little bit more in the second period. And of course, just an incredible save oh, on Coleman. Oh. The shorthanded chance there that Demko had, or the Demko made, that is. But not only that, then you, you know, you fast forward into overtime in what was a game win- winning save, really, for uh, Thatcher Demko, where he just absolutely robs Nazem Kadri on that two on one. I mean, Thatcher Demko, the story of the game, really, for the Canucks, especially when, no pun intended, the Flames turned up the heat. Yeah. Well, I don't know if you were thinking it, but I was. I didn't say it out loud, but. 
hadn't given up a goal through 40 minutes, and we saw what happened the other night against the Chicago Blackhawks, and I thought, wouldn't that be something, you know, 72 games for him individually, 130, I think it was, or something like that for the team between shutouts, and wouldn't you know it, you know, as they're mopping up their schedule at the back end of the season, are they going to, you know, back-to-back shutouts for Thatcher Demko? Alas, it wasn't to be. Elias Lindholm was easily the best flame on the night. That guy oh, was everywhere. Yeah. It kind of felt like a matter of time, and ultimately he beats Demko on the first shot of the third period. But to that point, Thatcher Demko had stopped 60 shots in a row over five periods going back to the start of the Chicago game. So, you know, not a surprise. He is dialed in a little bit of a blip a week to 10 days ago where he gave up six in St. Louis and five to the Flames. Again, their first visit last week, but since then was able to to sort of collect himself and, uh, you know, some nights off where Colin Delia played and arrested Thatcher Demko, uh, just rock solid. And and he was again tonight. And then, of course, stares down Hubert Cadre and Toffoli in the shootout and stops all three of those. And uh, the Canucks skate away with the 3-2 victory. Interesting, too, and I know I said it's, you know, we won't go deep on the flames, but you know, their season essentially hanging in the balance. They, even if they win, they're still in tough because Winnipeg yep. won. And, yep. But still, they wanted to match Winnipeg and continue to put the heat on the Jets in case the Jets stumble somewhere along the line. Tyler Toffoli, their leading goal scorer, goes third in the shootout. We've talked about Elias Pettersson going third for the Vancouver Canucks, and we question the, you know, the wisdom of the coaching staff leaving a guy like that where – you know, some shootouts are over. If one team scores twice and the other doesn't score at all, it's done after two rounds. And I don't know. I just thought that was a really interesting choice because Elias Patterson did have a chance to win this thing with the third Canuck shot and didn't score. And so that allowed Tyler Toffoli to go. But I think it's fair to kind of question why wouldn't you have your leading goal scorer? Now, coaches have their own metrics, I'm sure. And whether it's practices or history, I'm sure there's a, a reason why they go with Huberto and Cadre 1-2 out of the gate. But I just thought with the season sitting there, a little surprised that Tyler Toffoli wasn't one of the first two shooters just to make sure that his shot mattered. As it turned out, he didn't score, so maybe it wouldn't have mattered at all. As it turns out, we said Kuzmenko rested, didn't play much in the third period. Yeah, he had some uh, jump there. <laughs> but he looked fresh in the shootout. And I love the way, and it's so funny, the contrast, because JT Miller goes right after him, and Miller goes as slow as just about anybody in the but NHL. Tried, again, but that's Everybody knows that move now. I know. Yeah. Got to give it up. Yeah. The, the, but I love Kuzmenko with speed. Oh, yeah. And yeah. Well, he has. Be- yeah. Yeah. I mean, he's become really, really good. You know, and, and look, in the NHL today, I know it doesn't ultimately matter to the Canucks this season, but one of these years, it is going to come down to a single point late in the season, a shootout, you know, a tiebreaker, whatever the case. And if you have an absolute gunner as a shootout guy, you know, Andre Kuzmenko is now four for seven, and three of his four goals have been the game deciding goal. Like, you know, that's pretty damn solid percentage in the shootout. So it doesn't get a lot of breakaways in games, but in the shootout one on one, he's, uh, yeah, he's awfully solid. Don't you think that Jonathan Huberto's move kind of like summed up his season? <laughs> it just, was just, it was just such a black move. I was like, yeah. if I'm Daryl Sutter right now, I'm just demon probably. But I did see his post game. He did credit Demko. And they should, because Demko really was the one that was able to pull the Canucks out the W. You mentioned Kuzmeko there. So let's get to him. He's benched in the third, essentially. What do you have? One shift in the, one in shift the third early. period. Yeah. Uh, but if you look at Kraftsoff as well, Kraftsoff's time on ice way down. He got that shot to play on the top line. Didn't really work out for him. Both those Russian players just in the doghouse tonight. We'll hear from Rick Talkett. He'll explain 
about Andre Kuzmenko, but it's just more tough love because, you know, as much as Rick Tockett loves the fact that Andre Kuzmenko can go out and get you points, he doesn't love his defensive game. And he is going to harp on that until it finally uh, gets through to number 96. Because that's just the way that Tockett is. That's just the way that he played, and that's the way he's going to coach. And he's not going to bend just because, you know, a guy essentially, you know, puts up points. If he's not playing his game defensively, he's going to ride that pine. And and Kuzmenko is going to have to get through to him at some point. Yeah, and started the night with Sheldon Dries and Anthony Bovillier, and we saw that at practice on Friday and thought, okay, that's interesting at the very least. I mean, is that punishment? Whatever the case, it wasn't just, you know, one egregious turnover. The Canucks were outshot 11-3 to at even strength with Kuzmenko on the ice. It got worse for Sheldon Dries. The shots were 11-1 to for the Calgary Flames at evens when Sheldon Dries was out there. So, you know, that's a, a tough night at the office for him. And yeah, I mean, Kuzmenko got one shift early in the third and then sat. And normally he would be one of the guys in the overtime rotation. But Rick Tockett was holding firm to his stance that his night was done, at least in the run of play. Now, yeah, they tapped him for the shootout and he came through there. But it was interesting because guys like Nils Amon and Dakota Joshua got a shift in overtime. So we haven't seen an awful lot. I thought Amon was going tonight. I thought uh, Nils Amon... Looked like he had the speed going. He and Joshua on that two-on-one, the give-and-go in the second period. Uh, Markster made one of his better saves there, I thought. And uh, I thought Nils Amon was hustling around the ice. So, it, you know, it didn't surprise me. But we haven't seen that. But if Bovillier is not getting overtime shifts and Kuzmenko's not getting overtime shifts, then, you know, can't just be Elias Pettersson and, and JT Miller up front. So, yeah, we saw a couple of different looks. Akito Hiroshi was the second defenseman out in overtime. They just continue to run this guy and... You know, another nice night. We wondered about, like, how is he going to handle the pressure of the Calgary Flames and their heavy press forecheck? And, you know, again, just checks off the boxes. Just cool as a cucumber, goes about his business, does not look out of place, gets special teams time. You know, we've said this now for four games. And he just continues to live up to this late season hype. So we always say, hey, maybe they got something there with this guy. You know, time will tell. But, yeah, when it comes to... Kuzmenko, the tough love. There's three games remaining now, and it will be fascinating to know what the exit meetings are going to be like with Andre Kuzmenko. I mean, so much excitement. He ends up being named the team's most exciting player as they handed out their awards during the game. 38 goals on the season. The coach shortchanged him because uh, when he was talking about it, he said he's got 37 goals. He did, but then he got his 38th. So he and Petey are tied with 38 and three games to go. So again, it'll be interesting to see if one of them emerges as the leading goal scorer on this team or if it is a draw at the end of the season. But that exit meeting is going to be like, you know, on one hand, this was an incredible first season. We committed to you. We gave you the contract. We love you. But there's a lot of work to be done in your own zone. So talk, it's been pretty clear. We saw this right out of the All-Star break, those games where he saw the pine and and didn't play an awful lot. And, you know, this was another one of those uh, for Andre Kuzmenko. So the thing I liked about Tockett, though, is he's been clear with us in the media. He's been clear with the player, and he's given the player the chance to respond. Like, his punishment nights seem to stay at the rink, and tomorrow's a new day. I think it's a travel day for them on Easter Sunday, so there won't be a practice. I think they're done with practices, but, you know, Monday, when they get ready to play the Los Angeles Kings, I don't know where Kuzmenko is going to be in the lineup, but, you know, I'll probably get a regular shift in the first period and given an opportunity to show the coach that, yeah, I mean, what you've told me here is getting through. But yeah, he's got to be better in his own end. Well, just being the, the first shooter in the shootout, I thought was a good 
you know, good of, of talking to do, right? Just the fact that, you know, this guy has been sitting on the bench the whole period, but yet you'll still tap him when you want him in the shootout. Because again, like it's just definitely a skill of his. And at that point, you're not, you're not giving the puck away. You don't need to be defensive in, nope. in a shootout, right? Unless you're the goaltender, of course. Uh, you, you mentioned the award winners there. Quinn Hughes, best defenseman, Elias Pettersson, MVP, most exciting player, Andre Kuzmenko, and the unsung hero, Dakota Joshua. You hmm. called that one, by the way. I called them all, didn't I? I mean, I don't think it was going out on a huge limb, but it's fan voting. You're not sure. And I thought the timing was hilarious that Andre Kuzmenko, they made the announcement in building on the Jumbotron, and Kuzmenko was the most exciting player. And then Elias Pettersson moments later takes the puck and goes in and roofs it on Markstrom. (laughs) And look, I could sit here all podcast and I think make a pretty compelling argument that Elias Pettersson has been the most exciting player on the Vancouver Canucks this season. I'm not the least bit surprised. I did pick what I thought the fans would select as well. And, you know, the goal celebrations, well, the goals, first of all, the celebrations, pregame giveaways with the sticks and the bananas and the personality and everything. Andre Kuzmenko has endeared himself to the fan base. But really, if you think about so many of his goals, really the excitement part has come before the puck's on his stick. It's Elias Pettersson making his moves or it's Quinn Hughes doing his dangles and getting the puck to Kuzmenko in front of the net for a, you know, a tip or a redirect or whatever. But again, just this larger than life personality and that million dollar smile, he has made a connection with the fans and this was all fan balloting. So no issues with it whatsoever. But man, Elias Pettersson, he's had some exciting moments in this high in the season as well. And it obviously hasn't been a great season, but three five point nights. And, you know, the goal tonight gets him that much closer to 40 on the season. And of course, now he just needs the one point for hundred. So he'll get there. It's a little unfortunate. It didn't happen on the homestand, but. I still feel feel pretty confident that uh, PD will hit the century mark at some point here with three games to go. Yeah, I had PD as my most exciting player. I had a hard time not giving that one to PD. Yep. Like it just seems like he's been doing it all this year. But he, I can see why the fans would would give it to Kuzmenko as well. And it's big for Dakota Joshua. I think it's really big for Dakota Joshua, and it's definitely something he can build on because you know it's a big summer coming up. Here. I don't <laughs> know if you've heard about that. I, I have. But, a, you know, we were having this discussion along press row. This. This is the fourth straight year that Quinn Hughes has been the team's most best defenseman, the Babe Pratt Award. Four years, Quinn Hughes has been the award winner. It doesn't surprise you, though, does it? No, but the discussion was, if he's a career Canuck, how many consecutive years is he going to win the award? Like, every every year he's healthy. Uh, so, maybe uh, not, that's what I'm saying. Like, yeah. This could be a 12 or a 15-year run yeah. for Quinn Hughes, which will yeah. look hilarious in like the team media guide you know, years from now, when you're just looking and it's like Quinn Hughes, Quinn Hughes, Quinn Hughes, but it'll be the right call unless Akito Hirose rises. No, we won't. Uh, we're getting, getting a little ahead of ourselves. Too far ahead of ourselves. <laughs> hey, listen, no. Cole McWard could win that now, too, right? So. No, I think my money will stick on, uh, <laughs> stick on Quinn Hughes, who grabbed the microphone, too, and well, the crowd, yeah, which uh, I, I again, all there. this discussion about yeah. leadership and whose room is it and all that kind of It was interesting. I. I didn't know that a player was going to address the crowd. I mean, they circled at center, and I thought it would just be the standard stick raise. And then they asked people to turn their attention to center ice, and there was Quinn Hughes on the mic. And again, a guy that doesn't say a ton, but we're starting to hear him use his voice a little bit more almost every day. So uh, good on him. I mean, that's not easy to stand. He's a hockey player. He's not there to be a public speaker in front of what was left of 18,500 people. Building had some jump on, uh, you know, fan appreciation night, the final time that people will see the Canucks for uh, a bunch of months here. And, and it was wore their best game. jerseys. Like yeah, and it yeah. was turned into a fun night with overtime. 
And, you know, the way the shootout went, I mean, the shootout wasn't anything out of the norm, but overtime certainly was. So Wyoming had some jump on a Saturday night, the last one, the Cheech, you know, they had the in-game tribute and the standing ovation for him and thought it was cool to see a standing ovation along press row as well, all of Cheech's colleagues. So uh, just wanted to make note of that. But uh, yeah, I mean, good for Quinn Hughes for grabbing the mic. Didn't say a ton. I mean, it was short, but still, like it could have been JT Miller. It could have been Elias Pettersson. Those are the guys that are wearing the letters for this hockey club. Thatcher Demko, we're hearing about uh, the leadership role that he's taking on as well. But no, it was Quinn Hughes who... uh, whether it was a team vote or somebody in the organization asked him, I'm not sure how that all shook down, but Quinn was the guy on the mic, so good for him. I thought Hockey Night in Canada did a fantastic job on uh, giving Cheech's flowers tonight, really, and and they yeah. did let it be known, too, that he's just off the regional uh, broadcast and that he will still be working with Hockey Night in Canada from time to time. Patrick Johnson said it to us, I think the last time he was on our pod, that Quinn Hughes is going to be the next captain of the Vancouver Canucks. And when he said bluntly that he doesn't think that Elias Patterson wants it, I'm believing that now. I'm yeah. really starting to believe that. Not only that, they've got a new promo out where it's, you know, Patterson, Hughes, Miller, I think might be Demko. I can't remember who the fourth guy is. But instead of it being PD that's front and center, it's Hughes now. Like, I think he is going to be wearing the C. I think Patrick was right when he said that. I don't know. Well, I mean, you'd think that would probably would start next year, right? Like they've got their pieces in place in terms of core that they want to build around. So I could see them giving the C to to Hughes. Again, we can spend another podcast talking about that, but it just seems to me that they're sort of prepping him that way. By the way, did you hear the ex-captain tonight? You probably saw that going around on social media. I certainly did. It was unnecessary, I thought. Yeah, I'm I'm a little surprised just knowing Bo as much as I do from being around him for all his time here. I was a little surprised. Take a shot at the, the city of Vancouver and his former employers and all that kind of stuff. But I'm all for the entertainment. Like, I, I don't know where that came from. If he was just obviously playing to the crowd there in New York after a shutout win for them as they continue to claw their way towards the playoffs. So I get playing to the crowd, but he also he's savvy enough to know that that clip was going to make its way back to Vancouver in a hurry. And it did. So a little surprised, but. You know what? Part of me thinks uh, good on Bo. And it'll be funny to see. Obviously, uh, didn't have to come through Vancouver after the trade, but at some point next season will be here. And I'm sure that will be brought up, you know, in his first return. And his return to Vancouver will be, I'm sure, the hockey club will give him the whole video tribute and everything else. But, oh, does he get booed? <laughs> well, I don't know. I mean, people aren't going to forget, obviously. I'm sure uh, he will be asked about that. But I got a kick out of it. I just thought it was kind of funny. It was not what I was expecting to fill my timeline as the Canucks were getting ready to go against the Calgary Flames. The BC Lions are back in the playoffs and hosting the Calgary Stampeders on Saturday, November 4th at BC Place. Kickoff at 3.30 p.m. Looking forward to this one. Playoff football, BC Place. The Lions and that offense with Vernon Adams at the controls and all of those weapons he has in his receiving core. And you just think about the atmosphere in that building with the fans behind them. The Dome will be rocking. Should be a ton of fun. Tickets on sale now at bclions.com. And check this out. They start at just 30 bucks. And kids 17 and under can get in for 15. So bring the noise, fill the dome. Applewood Auto Group is celebrating 25 years of business, making the car business and our communities better. Applewood offers the best in-class experience, whether you're looking for a car, service, or to join our team. Come find out why it's all good at Applewood. Visit us online at applewood.ca today.
Our rink wide Vancouver is presented by Bodog, Canada's home for casino games and sports odds where everyone goes to play. Let's go to the dressing room. Hear from the head coach and a few of the players tonight. They were chatty tonight. Let's hear from <laughs> Rick Tockett, who had uh, who gave his thoughts on the game, that is. Well, first period, I was really happy. I, I didn't like the second. Third was spotty. You know, it's, uh, yeah, we won entertaining fans for the overtime, but it's not really winning hockey for me. I, I think uh, when Calgary push, push, uh, put some pushes on us, I just saw some like backup, you know, we gotta we gotta get that out of here. We gotta, you know, you gotta lock lock it down and you can't just rely on Demmer. You know, he he played great tonight. He brings up this winning hockey a few times in the scrum tonight. Yeah. Kind of like this message that he's that he's putting on his players. Yeah, it's uh, it's all well and good, but you ain't gonna win shit playing that way. Right? Like if you want to be one of these playoff teams that, you know, essentially can compete for a Stanley Cup. You know, these once in a while, but that's not the formula. And I, I like that. And Rick Tockett knows. Like, not only did he win as a player, he won as a coach as well. Yeah, I, I thought, you know, the other night against Chicago, he said, I like Demko. And kind of left it at that. And again, I mean, they beat Chicago 3 nothing, but empty net goal. So really a 2 nothing hockey game against a, a downtrodden Blackhawks team. Flames were a much better group, but... You know, the fact that they won, like, uh, I think a lot of coaches would have taken the easy way of like, yeah, hey, great, we won, final game of the home, you know, schedule and all that kind of stuff. Uh, He wasn't having that. That, uh, again, there's a a clarity to Rick Tockett that until he sees them play in the way that he wants them to play, uh, he's not going to give them bouquets. And and I'm totally down with that. That, You know, that much we know about this guy. He's been on the job for 32 games now, and he has set the bar at a level that, you know, I think he's made it abundantly clear to his players, this is what I want to see. I'm not seeing it. And, yeah, I mean, the Flames had everything to play for. So that third period push couldn't have surprised anybody. I think that's good to, uh, you know, measure some of your younger guys uh, to see how they handle the heat and and handle the forecheck and those types of things. And, you know, for the most part, they did. But there were some shifts, too, where there was a little bit of panic in the Canucks. And that's where Thatcher Demko earns his keep. And, and you know, Tockett spent a lot of the postgame tonight talking about, you know, it's great to have a goalie like that. But he does not want to be a team that leans on its goaltender uh, next season. So we'll see how that goes. We'll see what the Canucks look like next season. But uh, last season and here tonight. Yeah, I mean, they end up leaning on the goaltender a fair bit. And and I think this is the the difference between, you know, what we're seeing from Tockett, what he's trying to instill, what he's praising, and Bruce Boudreau. It feels like it, a game like this tonight with everything that happened, the, the home finale, all the things you said that you thought maybe might get soak, soaked up, Rick Tockett didn't really have any, didn't really want to have a whole a lot of that. Like, Bruce Boudreau feels like he would have embraced that a little bit more. And And I'm not dragging Bruce here. I'm just saying that, this is probably no, it is better for this team. This team is not there yet. They are not, they don't know how to win in the NHL yet. They don't know how to be, you know, a playoff team that essentially can compete to the Stanley Cup yet. So when you have the pieces in place, I think you can probably see the frustration from management when Bruce was here. And what they're trying to try to instill in these players is definitely uh, better served with what Rick Tockett is doing right now. That's that's what I'm seeing right now, yep. at least, yep. right? And, and and it's good. Like uh, you know, they do have the pieces in place here. Like they've got the superstar center, they've got the superstar goaltender, they've got the superstar defenseman. Like these are three pieces that every team is looking for. So you know, it, it, 
you can't just have, you can't flush another season. So I think they made the right move and I'm starting to really, um, you know, believe that Rick Tockett is the right guy uh, for this job right now. I, you know, maybe I'm getting ahead of myself, but these little things that we're seeing from what he's done since he's taken over, show me a team that is, is, is starting to improve, is starting to get it. Yeah, I, I'm curious to see what he does with and for Elias Pettersson over the final three games because Kravtsov and Garland, I don't think, are are the guys. So does he go back to Kuzmenko and Bovilio? Does he give Kuzmenko that opportunity after benching him to go right back up to the top line with Elias Pettersson? Again, I think they should be doing everything they can to get Pettersson that 100th point. Like, don't leave it to the oh, final yeah, game. Sure. So, yeah. uh, and I thought it was interesting, too, uh, and some of it was, I think, that Kravtsov was starting to lose his uh, role in this hockey game, but they were double-shifting Patterson on the power play. Uh, there wasn't a ton of power play time. The Canucks had one in the first and, and two in the second. And officiating was a little curious, too. Like the Kravtsov, that Kravtsov, was just that a was brutal call. Yeah, terrible. Uh, yeah. You know, a guy's fighting well, for his job. I don't think he, he had his best stuff tonight, but, uh, you know, an offensive zone penalty 200 feet from your own net, but really just locked skates with, the was it Stetcher, I think? And, Stetcher, yeah. And yeah. then the Markstrom one, he was out of the trapezoid. Was he? He had his back to me uh, up in the press box, and so he was sort of shielding, and I couldn't see exactly where the puck was. Uh, I mean, I knew it was close. But, yeah, I'm sure the TV cameras got a better look at it. I also thought Blake Coleman, the hit on Garland, uh, that puck's in Garland skates, like, in the second period. And and to call it roughing, I thought, like, if anything, I thought maybe a charge because it looked like he had Garland lined up. But um, I don't know. I, I don't want clean, hard checks taken out of the game. I saw some people say uh, they thought it was head contact, but that wasn't the call. That wasn't the penalty. It was roughing. And I don't know. I just thought that was a curious call, but also the one on Kravtsov. So maybe they evened up in in that regard. Well, of course, the Canucks tried to play spoiler tonight, and they did their their part to the most part. Uh, although uh, Calgary was able to get the single point, Elias Patterson was asked post game about you know just playing that role. We know what, what they are, uh, so we know they were going to come out hard. So we wanted to match that, and I think we. We had a really good job, uh, and they scored too quick on us. I think we let the, the foot off the gas there, but other than that, I'm happy with our teammate. <laughs> the funny thing is, he, you knew they were going to come out hard, and they didn't. That's, it took them a while to find their uh, their footing a little bit. Although, you know, if they convert in that uh, first period chance, that great pants that they had in the first, maybe it's a you know, completely different game here. Maybe they find their life uh, a little bit earlier there, on, but or. That was in the second, excuse me, no, on the, the, uh, the Coleman yeah. chance. Yeah, yeah, exactly. But Lindholm. Lindholm was the guy that had the chance. That was the uh, the save that Demko made. Do I have this written down wrong? I have Coleman on a two-on-one robbed by a Coleman save sent Dem- it over to Lindholm, and Lindholm uh, okay, had the got shot. Mixed. There you go. Yeah. Regardless, maybe it's a different Lind- game. If they, Lindholm if they hit the post there. in the first period. As I said, he was everywhere tonight. He ended up with eight shots on goal. Um, yeah, he was he was doing his part. I thought Toffoli had his moments for the Flames as well, but uh, they just don't have enough guys scoring goals for them right now. That's uh, and that's been a bit of an issue. They outshoot everybody. Another one night where they outshoot an opponent by ten and come up on the wrong end of the scoreboard. So uh, yeah, I mean the Canucks again. Did they let their foot off the gas? Maybe a little bit, uh, but also you just knew that uh, Calgary was going to give it all it had in the third period and ultimately. Uh, they were able to tie the hockey game. Well, Calgary's forecheck definitely picked up in the third period as well and started to put the pressure on those uh, young D-men. Uh, Thatcher Demko, of course, was the story in this one. Uh, Rick Tockett with more praise for his goaltender. Yeah, he's just solid. He's just solid. You know, like he, uh, he's just, you know, he's a big goalie that, uh, 
There's not a lot of movement. I like goalies like that. And, uh, and when, he, when he has them go post to post, he made, I think it was two or three tonight, like outstanding saves. But I, 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 like I said, you know, you're up to nothing. I think we gave, we gave him the stuff we shouldn't give. And that's, that's something we got to learn around here. That's not winning hockey. You got to lock things down. Yeah, there's that winning hockey again. Uh, and he, he or actually in the first period as well, there was a three on one chance yep. where Demko just stared down to Foley of just a beautiful glove save on that one. So, yeah, you know, he, the coach is right. It's not winning hockey. You can't lean on your goaltender like that. Uh, every goaltender is going to break. But, in you know, listen, if they can get themselves defensively sound, they know that the guy behind them can bail them out uh, at any time. Yeah. Uh, and again, I've said this before that one of the best stories to come out of the tail end of the season is that Thatcher Demko got his game back to where it yes. was yep. last season. Now, it also has cost the Canucks a ton of spots in the overall standings. They have been working their way up where a lot of teams have been in a free fall, and so much of it's been on the back of Thatcher Demko, but the trade-off is, you know, did people want to see that the franchise goaltender could get his game back? And I would think most people did want to see that. And we said all along, like, look out when Thatcher Demko's coming back, the schedule gets softer, and the way that Pedersen and Hughes and, to a lesser degree, J.T. Miller have played, they were going to win hockey games. They were. It was just there, there's too much talent there. When you look around the league, you said, you know, the, the three main positions, they're covered with the Canucks, and then they've got complementary pieces as well. Kuzmenko, uh, for the most part, not tonight necessarily, but they were going to win games. They were, and they have. And so, yes, it has cost them uh, in terms of where they are. And, you know, they continue to work their way up the standings. And I think with the win, if I'm not mistaken, they moved past Washington now. Yeah, they're two points up on, on Washington. Oh. Canucks are sitting 24th in the National Hockey League, a single point behind the Detroit Red Wings and two back of the St. Louis Blues. Now they've got a game at hand on the Blues. So we'll see what happens and how that all shakes down. But, uh yeah, I mean, for the longest time, the Canucks were buried in that sort of 27th, 28th position. And, you know, it's not huge, but it's significant enough that they have worked their way and climbed their way from 27th, 25th, 20, 26th, 25th. And, you know, here they sit now with a shootout victory and getting the single, the bonus point up to 24th, solo 24th in the National Hockey League standings. Yeah, the tank has just turned this podcast off. <laughs> Sorry, that's just the way Stick it is with right us. now. Yeah, Stick exactly. With us. Exactly. Um, <clears throat> excuse me. In overtime, though, it was plenty of chances, of course, and Nazem Kadri getting the best one. Thatcher Demko asked post game if he thought overtime was fun. I don't know. Not overly. I mean, it's fun as a competitor, you know, um, especially good relationship with Jacob down at the other end. I know he was on his A game tonight, too. So. Um, it's kind of fun just trading chances with him. And obviously, we know how desperate they are. So, um, yeah, it was exciting. The energy was definitely really high the last, you know, 10 minutes of the game into overtime. I, I mean, I was going to say I'd never scored a goal in my life, but I did score once <laughs> when I was really young. I basically played goalie from, like, Tyke all the way out. So I don't really know the feeling of, of scoring a big goal, but I definitely know the feeling of making a big save. I don't know it in front of 20,000 people, but I know the juice that you get off of that. So that overtime for a, a, a goaltender is it, – it is fun. Like, you're you're going at that point. Your adrenaline is going. But when you have to do save after save, you know, at some point you're probably like, all right, guys, can we just get this done right now? Because, like, I am spent back here. 
Well, yeah, and they were trading chances. Like, that oh, was, yeah. yes. you know, just haymaker after haymaker, and that's what you do in overtime. I mean, you work to get a grade-A chance, and you hope you finish, and if you don't, you better be careful because uh, if you miss on yours, pretty good chance, uh, pretty good uh, percentage chance that the other team's going to get one as well. And, you know, JT Miller with a breakaway, and then Miller to Hughes, and I was amazed that Quinn Hughes wasn't able to pull the trigger there. It looked like he had uh, half the net to shoot at. And then Dylan Dubé just had his stick explode when he was in a perfect shooting position. And then, of course, uh, off the rush, uh, I think it was Anderson that slipped it across to Kadri at the left post there. And Thatcher Demko able to slide across and make one of his better saves. So, uh, yeah, I mean, there were saves all around. There was that scramble on the power play in the third period where Demko kind of flung his stick and was able to get a piece of the puck when it wound up on top of the net. Uh, Flames ended up scoring on the power play. So that would have, uh, it was 2-1 to one at the time. But uh, that was a close call as well. So, uh, yeah, I mean, when you face 43 shots at this level, pretty good chance that uh, there's going to be some great A's. And there were, and uh, two got past him, but uh, that was it after that. That Demko uh, closes the door. Yeah, that one was wild. Like, Demko had to get his blocker on that one to get yeah. it to, away. Also, that uh, the Miller want a chance at overtime that goes off the glass and then off of Mark. That right. was so weird. Yeah. I, I can't believe he didn't go in. It just bounced right off his back, right off the glass there. So, yeah, a wild, a wild overtime, exciting one for the fans in the uh, final home game of the season. Thatcher Demko's dog won the uh, dog races <laughs> yes, as well. Delilah. Yeah, <laughs> she's the uh, reigning champ, and she took it again. <laughs> Demko was asked about it post game, but he sounded surprised. Oh, did she win? She won. Yeah. Nice. I didn't really have a doubt. She, she's quick, especially when her her mom gets gets a little bit you know some distance from her and she just takes off so um she won the last one but um yeah we, we had her rested up had a good pregame meal today and uh, i'm sure lex had uh had her ready to go people love the dog races they do yeah, they just fun. eat that stuff up and, and we always remark like after the games thatcher don't go so low-key and then he gets a question about his yeah. dog and that's like you know <laughs> the best answer enough. that he's given in in a while I wonder what the Bodog odds would have been on Delilah winning again. Probably not all that great, considering that uh, she's the reigning champ. All right, Cole McWard scores his uh, NA, or first NHL goal, and he got to do it in front of his parents, which uh, he was pretty stoked about. Yeah, my parents got to watch this game, so that was awesome. They got to see that one, too. Um, definitely happy I got to score in front of them. You know, my dad's probably not <laughs> cursing me out in the stands tonight, so uh, that was good. But, yeah, they, they got to see it. And what about the celebration? Is that... Uh, is that- your goals, Ellie, or no? I don't really have one. I don't really know what to do with myself when I score still. So hopefully, maybe that'll come with some, you know, just learning experience. Have to put a few more in. So the 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 big time goal scorer sweeper move is just the <laughs> one that popped into your head. I mean, the, Mop the, the Austin floor. Matthews like Connor McDavid, Connor Bedard move like sweeping the floor <laughs> that just popped into my head. I don't know. <laughs> he looked like he was like polishing the coffee table or something. Yes. Like, I'm, not, I'm not sure what that. That was, but uh, he didn't quite have it dialed yet. Yeah, no. Uh, his only shot of the night, so uh, efficient that way. He had uh, two other attempts that uh, didn't make it on target, but uh, you know, didn't play a ton. Eleven minutes and twenty-five seconds. Uh, they tried to shelter him as a third-pair guy with Ethan Bear, but uh, there were some moments. I thought uh, he had a nice block in the second period uh, when the Flames were buzzing, and you know, read the play nicely and and put himself in. In harm's way, Thatcher Demko was making all the stops tonight, but uh, I'm sure he appreciated uh, getting a little help in that regard. You know, he's kind of rangy. Uh, again, he's going to have to fill out, uh, you know, 
whether it's the talk at summer program or just the fact that, uh, you know, wherever he plays next year, uh, he's got to get bigger. And I'm sure he recognizes that. And that's what getting a couple of games and a baseline here, uh, you know, will help him with in the offseason. But uh, that's a, an incredible memory for him. By the way, 30th different guy to score a goal for the Vancouver Canucks this season. They've used a lot of players and a lot of guys have been able to find the back of the net at least once, like Cole McWard with a couple more games to go. Who knows if he adds onto it. And, you know, the other thing is, uh, look, the lowest scoring team in the NHL in terms of goals from defensemen. So uh, it hasn't happened nearly enough. Hopefully a full season of a healthy Philip Hronick is going to help that. He's a guy that, uh, and I think he had nine in Detroit this year. That would be the runaway leader on this team. Uh, but under Rick Tockett, they haven't seen many goals. I think the last one was Jack Rathbone in Dallas. Uh, so they'll take any contributions that they get from the back end when it comes to scoring goals. Obviously, Quinn Hughes generates a ton of offense, but we should mention as well, that's four four in a row without a point for Quinn Hughes, so that's a new season high for him, and I don't say that to knock the guy, but uh, you know, just again, that chance he had in overtime. Uh, thought he would pull the trigger there, but uh, yeah, four games uh, without a point for Quinn Hughes, so uh, I think he'll... Probably, like, I don't think he'll go the rest of the season without one, but uh, you know, some of that's the power play. And again, power play pretty inefficient tonight, uh, went 0 for 3. So I uh, just wanted to uh, at least acknowledge the fact that uh, it's been a little bit of a struggle offensively here on the homestand for Quinn Hughes. Uh, maybe the lingering effects of the illness that uh, forced him to miss practice, whatever the case, uh, that's 4. And it just it doesn't happen very often, and that's why it becomes notable. Uh, Akita Hiroshi's numbers in college very similar to uh, what you see from Quinn Hughes. Uh, you know, very low goal totals, high assist totals, but nine goals in thirty nine games for uh, Cole McWard uh, at Ohio State this year. And of course, it's just his sophomore year for him, as it was his junior year uh, for Akito uh, Hirose. So yeah, and you know, maybe maybe there is something there with Cole Ward in terms of uh, getting some goals from the blue line because. Uh, Lord knows they need it because you're not getting a whole lot uh, from Quinn Hughes. And knowing Quinn Hughes, though, it'll be probably something that he'll go into the offseason and want to do and then come back and score like 20 or something next year. Yeah, and we should point out as well, I thought Jack Studnika did a nice job standing his ground in front of the net, taking oh, yeah. the eyes away from yeah. Jacob Marshall. That goal doesn't go in. In fact, I thought maybe it had been deflected, but uh, uh, upon review with the replay, no, it uh it was seeing eye. It was yep. right through Lucic's legs and then just found that spot. Yeah. Uh, Lewis Patterson named the team MVP. And of course, uh, this is something that, uh, well, he didn't take lightly. No, that's a huge honor. I mean, I'm so far very happy with my season. How I've, uh, I guess, I want to say develop, but I've taken steps in being a better two way player. Uh, so, uh, yeah. Um, yeah, it means yeah. I want to say it means a lot, but it's uh, it's a good feeling. It's a big summer for him, and I'm not talking about the Rick Tockett stuff, right? Like this is going to be a massive summer for him. I know a lot of people are anticipating what the uh, contract extension could be for Elias Pettersson, but with the season that he's put together, there's not a chance that the number doesn't start anything lower than ten. Oh, without a doubt, no question. Yeah. Like yes, we're talking double digits of millions of dollars for the extension. Uh, you know, can they do a max deal with him? Does he want to do a max deal? Um, yeah, I mean, this will be the biggest contract in the history of the Vancouver Canucks without uh, any question. So uh, not longest in terms, because we saw Roberto Luongo, obviously, but just in dollar figures. Uh, yeah, absolutely. And again, he has taken a massive step this year. Uh, I was on record. I thought 90 might be 
you know, where he topped out in his career. 90 points plus filling out in other areas, but uh, he's burned past that, and his next point will be his 100th. So uh, it was, again, hoping it was going to happen on the homestand. I just think it would have been a really cool moment for him and for the hockey club and for the fans. And uh, it'll still be a cool moment when it happens, but it's going to be out on the road. And, and because there are no more home games, you know, it's not something that he'll get to share with the fan base in person. Like, people will celebrate in social media, and I'm sure people will be thrilled for him, but... You know, there won't be that one more home game where the Canucks can show it on the Jumbotron and acknowledge him uh, and all of that. So, uh, you know, let's see where it happens in Los Angeles on Monday, Anaheim on Tuesday. I hope it doesn't go down to the wire, but it did for JT Miller last year when he uh, had the chance in Edmonton and ultimately finished with the 99 points. So uh, he is tied with JT Miller's output from a year ago and has three games still to go. Uh, Before we get into uh, gaming hashtag and ask J-Pats, we do have to hear from Rick Tockett as he explains just why he benched uh, Andre Kuzmenko tonight. Yeah, he just wasn't in tonight defensively. Like, you know, Kuzi's, I I love the kid, but uh, he's got a, he's got a, you know, he's got 30-something goals, but he's got to understand he got to play defense. He wasn't, uh, he wasn't, you know, I just wanted to go, you know, at that point, three lines. I didn't think that, uh, there's a couple other guys I could have, you know, I, I didn't play as much either. I just, I just didn't feel the commitment to defense. What about the decision to use him in the shootout then after he sat for so long? <clears throat> well, I, you know, he's a good shootout guy. Yeah, obviously. But uh... <laughs> <laughs> then there was there was sort of awkward silence after that. I think people were hoping that Tockett would sort of go into uh, a little bit more about the shootout. But no, he's a pretty good shootout guy. Yeah, I mean, listen, I know we're putting a lot on Kuzmenko as well, but Kravtsov was also in that doghouse too. And like just given the opportunity yep. and just not, you know, not able to do anything with it. And this was one of those games that I thought going into it, I looked at that line and I went, you know, Connor McDavid or Connor McDavid, Connor, it'd be great if Connor McDavid was playing for the Canucks. Uh, Connor Garland had been going well recently. And I thought, you know, maybe pairing him with Pedersen and Kravtsov, there might be something there. Like maybe we'll see Kravtsov. Uh, be able to produce a bit here, but he just did not rise to the occasion. And I know that the the penalty was it was soft, it wasn't great, but other than that, there really wasn't anything else that we can talk about with Kravtsov here. And we've talked about how pivotal these you know next few games are for him, just on what his future is going to be with this organization. Yep. I mean, I don't think there's a whole lot more to add there. Nothing really changed. You're right. He didn't make the most of the opportunity. Had a nice play to Pedersen early in the hockey game off the rush, and pass was sort of into Pedersen's skates, and he wasn't really able to do anything with it. And I thought, all right, like that's a good start, but really that's kind of where it ended. And again, I I, I felt for the guy on the penalty because I don't think he deserved a penalty, but it wasn't like he was going all night and that derailed his night. Uh, yeah, I mean, he barely crashed 10 minutes of ice time. Um, you know, you start the night with Elias Pedersen and you play 10 minutes and 7 seconds. Uh, under nine minutes at even strength. So uh, I think uh, we can probably declare that that experiment is uh, is done and over with. And, uh, yeah, again, we'll see who uh, PD lines up with uh, when they suit up on Monday in Los Angeles. The BC Lions are back in the playoffs and hosting the Calgary Stampeders on Saturday, November 4th at BC Place, kickoff at 3.30 p.m. Looking forward to this one, playoff football, BC Place, the Lions and that offense with Vernon Adams at the controls and all of those weapons he has in his receiving core. And you just think about the atmosphere in that building with the fans behind them, the dome will be rocking, should be a ton of fun. Tickets on sale now at bclions.com and check this out. They start at just 30 bucks. And kids 17 and under can get in for 15. So bring the noise, fill the dome.
I didn't hit on my Bodog best bet tonight, J-Pat. was feeling really good about it with Elias Patterson scoring, obviously. Tyler Toffoli just didn't seem like he had a whole lot going tonight. Uh, it only takes one chance for him, though, as we've seen with Tyler Toffoli, especially at Rogers Arena. He loves to score at Rogers Arena, but he didn't tonight. I had both of them scoring. Thought there was uh, going to be a for sure win there, but did not get it. But this person did win something tonight. Don't know your real name, but at VanCity604 on Twitter, uh, you were the first one to guess shootout. So you are taking home the $50 in Bodog Bucks. So congratulations. And uh, hopefully you can take those dollars and spread them out. Make some more. Now, I heard. Yes. I heard a little rumbling that mm. uh, usually the game winning goal thing has been a Saturday. It's kind of been a sta- Saturday staple, oh, right? Oh, yes. Yes. And this was the final Saturday of the season. So I was thinking, all right, this might be the final time that we give away Bodog Bucks. But uh, no, oh, no, I'm hearing that uh, there may be some more bonus oh, Bodog yes. Bucks before the season yep. is through. We got a little bit left over. Let's just ah, say you're probably okay. going to want to play the last game of the season, but ah, uh, okay. we'll leave it at that. A game in a hashtag is presented by Delaney's OK Tire out on Fraser Highway in Langley. We'll start with Hassan from Burnaby, who says hashtag captain, but with a Q instead of a C. <laughs> I like that. Uh, Graham from Hardy says hashtag McWard, hashtag Coos pulling the Miller. All right. Johnny Canuck says, hashtag putting out the flames. Yeah, that's pretty obvious. Uh, Chris says, hashtag thank you, Cheech, 100%. Marcus and Gibson's hashtag stone cold Kuzmenko. Yeah, brother. (laughs) Although that's more. That was Macho Man. Macho Man. I can only do the Macho Man. (laughs) Uh, Caro says, hashtag nailed it. And yeah, I think that's about it there. Yeah. Thank you, hey, everyone. Can we just for talk about a, a, one guy that we didn't really talk about. I thought had a like a really impressive low key game. He got the assist on the Pedersen goal, but all this question about JT Miller in a center, you know, the center position, and and can he play the middle? He absolutely crushed it in the faceoff circle on Saturday night. He went twenty of twenty five of his faceoffs, and. You know, face-offs are part of being a center in the National Hockey League. Uh, there are obviously other responsibilities, but, like, damn, that's a, a good night. So he goes 20-5 and five in the face-off circle. But he had four shots on goal. He had six hits. We talked about the overtime opportunities, the chance for him, and uh, the setup to Quinn Hughes. And he did a lot of that, you know, head-to-head with either Elias Lindholm or uh, Nazem Kadri. So, you know, it, it, it it wasn't like he was seeing lower in the lineup guys for the Calgary Flames. He was taking those matchups on uh, head on. And uh, when I just look at, uh, you know, he won 10 of 14 against Lindholm and 7 of 8 against Kadri. So uh, good night for JT Miller. Uh, and we should also point out Phil DiGiuseppe with the most ice that he has ever logged in a National Hockey League game. Uh, he was up at 21. 21- 21 and a half minutes for yeah. Phil DiGiuseppe. 21-35, five shots on goal, three hits. That line was going. I, I thought the Miller line uh, was going. Brock Besser led the team with six shots on goal tonight. Uh, but PDG with a career high in ice by more than a minute over his previous high, which was set back in 2017. So he probably didn't think that uh, he'd see the day where he would play 21 minutes in a in a hockey game, but uh, coach loves the straight lines and the wall work and everything else. So, uh, yeah, little uh, career milestone for Phil DiGiuseppe going 21-35 in this hockey game. 
Yeah, that line uh, has a combined Corsi of close to 60% in the game as well. So, yeah, it's funny when we think about JT Miller as well, all the questions we had of whether he can play down the middle, like those are answered now. Like he's, I mean, definitely right at this point. So good to see JT Miller uh, really respond uh, for the second half. Another one of those guys that really benefited from Rick Tockett, though, uh, as well. Uh, ask J Pats here. We got a couple. Um, I know we I, I know we talked about this, but I want to unpack it just a, a little bit more because uh, Viking Queen B asks uh, thoughts on overtime tonight. Case for a longer extra period. Now I know what you said earlier there, and it got me thinking though because you said you know you're putting your top guys out there. But the Canucks didn't really put their quote unquote top guys out there. And he, you know, Rick Tockett was asked about, you know, deploying uh, Dakota Joshua, you know, out in overtimes. So, you know, maybe there's a case there that, yes, maybe they do go another five minutes, but like, listen, then you got to go deeper into your bench. You don't have, always have to lean on those guys. Like, you know, maybe I would like to see some guys down in the lineup on three on three hockey. I don't think you're going to see it double. I don't think they would go from five to ten. I think that there has been a suggestion of, you know, an additional two minutes or the potential of an additional two minutes because uh, some games would be settled. Uh, I think you would see it incrementally increased, and maybe I'd be okay with that. But the argument stands. This, is, this was Calgary's twenty-third overtime game in the eighty that they have played. So, you know, that's. I mean, one out of every four, more than one out of every four, has gone to overtime. Generally, you're leaning on your best players in OT. And you're right, maybe you stretch the bench, but then you've got less skilled guys with time and space. I mean, they're all great players at this level, uh, but I do wonder about the entertainment. Like, we rave about the entertainment, but the entertainment was provided by JT Miller and Quinn Hughes and Nazem Kadri. I mean, those were the guys that had the great chances in overtime, um, you know, if it's Neil Zaman and Dakota Joshua getting a couple extra shifts, uh, with all due respect to them, are they creating great A opportunities in overtime? Maybe, but you know, the chances are that uh, it's more likely that the Elias Pettersons of the world are the guys that are going to make things happen, and they certainly are the ones that move the meter uh, in overtime. So nothing's going to happen this year. Um, you know, I know it's been floated, but uh, I'm not sure that there's been a huge appetite. And again, it. You know, in isolation, a night like tonight, you think, yes, give me 10 minutes of that. Sign me up right away. But if it's a team that's playing back-to-back, three and four with travel, again, you're just asking a fair bit of the top-end guys in the National Hockey League. Uh, Ty asks, is Calgary the biggest rival to the Canucks in the NHL? Oh, doesn't this question get asked uh, about 10 times every year? Um, They're one of them. I mean, the Canucks don't. The problem with the Canucks is like, Vancouver is not Calgary's biggest rival and never would be because of the Battle of Alberta. And so, uh, you know, for the longest time, the Canucks were out here geographically. Now you've got Seattle, but that's not where it needs to be. The hope is someday uh, that will get to a level, obviously, at the height of the Blackhawks thing. I mean, three years in a row in the playoffs, that's going to make anybody a rival. You know, there, the time that Minnesota thought the Canucks were its rival and, and the Canucks didn't really want any part of that. Um so, yeah, probably for the time being, but saying that, I mean, you know, is it much of a rivalry? Like, sure, there's some former Canucks on the Flames roster, but, you know, there's not a lot of heat in these games, even though they meant a fair bit to the Calgary Flames. Like, they weren't physical. They were certainly, you know, there weren't fights. It wasn't dirty hockey or anything like that. Um, 
when the Canucks were, were were in their heyday as well, like around the 2011 team, there was a lot of, of Canuck fans that would travel to Calgary as well. It's a short trip. It's a good weekend. Uh, and it just seemed like there was more and more of that. And it just seems like it's less and less nowadays as the, as the Canucks really haven't been competing much. Yeah. I mean, I always was amazed when I was out on the road traveling at, I mean, there are Canuck fans at every rink. Like oh, that yeah. was, yeah. and, but you're right. And I think there are, you know, lots of people, I'm be honest, there's lots of people that can't afford to live in BC anymore. And they've moved uh, across the, the Rockies to Alberta. And so I think you got a lot of ex Vancouverites that are there and, uh, you know, it's always a question of can you get tickets? It's funny, these two games that the Flames played, and they were, you know, their only two visits came late in this season, which was a bit of a scheduling quirk, but more Flames fans in the building than I can remember. And I think that just speaks to the availability of tickets, right? Like when the Canucks are a hot, a hot product, people in town want to go. And that hasn't been the case for a while now. And I think there's uh, inventory on the secondary market. I think it's easier to get your hands on tickets, and so maybe that's why Calgary Flames fans, or maybe it was that uh, you know they didn't want to show in public that they were Calgary Flames fans, but uh, they're willing to now. Who knows what it is? Um, but just back to the rivalry thing, I, I, yeah. But when like, you I think see, it, I th- it needs a playoff series, like sure, now, like when or, you see what true yeah. rivalries look yeah. like. I mean, let's not waste a whole lot of energy on trying to sure. build up the Canucks and the Flames into something that uh, they really aren't. Yeah. All right. Well, who do you think uh, did something in this game? And as always, it's presented by our buddy Jason Hominick at Jason.Mortgage. Yeah, this one's got to be Thatcher Demko. Um, he was busy. He was good. He stops 41 of 43 and then three more in the shootout, stares down Hubert Cadre, and then... You know, with the game on the line, Tyler Toffoli, who's had an incredible season for the Flames, but uh, couldn't beat his former teammate. So Thatcher Demko, uh, he wins. His dog wins. Uh, you know, it was a good night for the Demkos uh, all around. We found out the other night that uh, he and his wife are expecting their first child. Hasn't been a great season, obviously, but it's going to be a busy offseason. Uh, but this was a good night for the Demkos, as it turns out. Uh, good night for the Vancouver Canucks as well. But uh, we'll go with the hashtag... Doggy win. D O G G I E. Note the spelling. Doggy win. Uh, for Thatcher Demko and his dog Delilah. And the hashtag gets you in on the $25 gift card to the Dutch. And as always, uh, did something a presentation of our good friend Jason Hominick at Jason.Mortgage. Uh, again, if you're up for a renewal, we've been telling you all season long here. Uh, don't do it alone. Like, there's just so many questions. You're not expected to have all the answers, but Jason Hominick's the mortgage pro here. He's been doing it for the better part of three decades. This guy's got the answers, and he wants to share them with you. The banks are in it for themselves, so you want to arm yourself with the knowledge you need to get the best rate possible, whether it's in a bank or uh, elsewhere. There's options out there. Jason knows them all. He can find you the best product for you and your family. So uh, reach out to him. Loves to talk hockey. That can be your icebreaker uh, pick up the phone, give him a call, contact info at his website, jason.mortgage. Again, his name is Jason Hominick, and uh, we're delighted to have him on board as been a presenting sponsor of Did Something All Season Long. Send that hashtag, doggy win, into the GoGoat Sports inbox at 778-402-9680, and that'll get you into a draw to win $25 to BC's best breakfast. That's right. Check him out at the Dutch Dot com. You know, a lot of people are going to be eating to Dutch this weekend, of course, being that it's a Easter long right. weekend. So it's a good weekend to get out with the fam. Check out some the Dutch. 
Uh, you and I will be off for uh, a bit here, and then, of course, we'll be back at it on Monday to, to uh, get the Canucks uh, final three games of the season going here. It's down to three more, Jay Pat, and, of course, the uh, Canucks will be in L.A. to face off against the Kings. And as I sort of take a look at where things are at right now, yeah, L.A., this is going to be important for them. They're not winning themselves. They've lost three in a row up to, what, 100 points now? So did they win tonight? i got to take a look at the out-of-town. No, they outshot Colorado badly and ended up losing 4-3. to three. And so they have invited the Seattle yeah. Kraken into yes. the race for the final divisional playoff spot. The, the Kings looked like they were in a battle for the division lead, the conference lead yeah. perhaps. And as you said, they've lost three in a row. And there are two points in front of the Kraken who have a game in hand. And Seattle's next game is in Arizona, so you'd think that they'd stand a pretty good chance in that one. And they finish home-and-home uh, home with Vegas. Uh, the Kings obviously have the Canucks here. But, uh, yeah, the Kings have made it uh, interesting on themselves. They've clinched a playoff spot, but are they in the division? Are they going to face the Oilers? Or are they going to drop down to one of the wild cards and face you know, one of the division winners. So uh, there's still plenty to play for for the LA Kings. But, you know, forget the seeding and the placement. It's more about trying to hit the playoffs, playing your best hockey. And clearly they're not doing that right now. So uh, Monday will be a big one for the Kings trying to turn things around and snap a a three-game losing streak. Yeah, if you're the crack and uh, you could get either the Golden Knights or Edmonton or perhaps Colorado, like Colorado up to the uh, top of the central right now and tied, but with, with Dallas, but still, yeah, things are getting crazy here these last few games. So, so again, another game of importance for the Canucks, another one that they can step up and play a bit of spoiler, which they did tonight in a three, two shootout victory over the Calgary flames. This has been another edition of the rink wide Vancouver podcast presented by Bodog. For Jeff Patterson, I'm Andrew Wadden. Remember, Rink Wide is the show that always scores.